0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host Ryan Satin, and this week on the podcast we've got Top Dollar, aka AJ Francis. Super excited to get him on the show. I have uh, I've been wanting him on here for a while, and he's been he's been hard uh, on me for not having him on the show yet. So I'm glad we finally got him on here. But just real fast before we get to the conversation between myself and Top Dollar, I do want to mention one thing. If you're watching this on video please go check out the out of character podcast feed because if you're not subscribed to the podcast feed you're missing out on some content i appreciate you watching the show on video i'm super excited i think it's better on video because you can see me and my guests faces but you can also have be on the podcast feed if you subscribe there obviously you get the audio version of this show but also on top of that there's Raw and SmackDown roundups that I do. Podcasts breaking each episode of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown down, SmackDown down. But I'm breaking those down segment by segment, giving you my thoughts on each thing that happens. There's lots happening. I talked about things like Mia Yim coming back. We did a roundup on Crown Jewel too, talking about Logan Paul. So make sure you're subscribed to the Add of Character podcast feed. So that way you get those in your ear holes. All right. Enough shilling for my podcast here. Let's get to my conversation with Top Dollar. Let's start this off the way I start off every podcast. And that is me asking you, how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV?
1: Um, 100%. uh, Top Dollar is just AJ Francis, but in the WWE, I mean, he's a rapper. He's a trash talker, he uh, completely believes in himself, thinks he's gonna win everything that he does. Um, and he likes to have a good time still, sometimes at his opponent's expense. And uh, that is absolutely me to a tee. If you don't believe me, watch me play FIFA. <laughs> well, what words would you
0: use to describe your off-screen personality? Are those some of the words that you would use right there? Like confident, trash talker, believes absolutely.
1: in yourself? People, people people, have always thought that I was cocky or arrogant just because I believed in myself. Well, the thing is, so many people didn't believe in me that if I listened to them, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have done the things that I've done. So the reason why I'm confident, and you see a pretty little picture of me from my time in the NFL. The reason why I'm so confident is because millions, not millions, because obviously I haven't had this conversation with millions of people, but hundreds of people told me I'd never make it to the NFL. You know what I'm saying? They told me, I'd never graduate college. I'd never make it to the WWE, and I did all those things, and I did it pretty easily. So to me, it's like, like of course I'm going to believe in myself. Why shouldn't I believe in myself? I, I, If I don't believe in me, why should you believe in me? Well, was that
0: happening from like when you were a kid? Because hundreds, that's got to be a lot of people, and I know that like, in reading your background, oh, yeah. you definitely, you know, had like, you know, not as easy of an upbringing as other people maybe around you and stuff. So, I mean, is that kind of why people were saying that to you from such a young age?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm the only person from my neighborhood, you know what I'm saying, that made it to the NFL. Like, I'm the only person, like, I go back and I do these events in my neighborhood and, like, people look at me like I'm an alien. They look at me like they can't believe that I've done the things that I've done and, like, it's crazy because, like, adults that I grew up around, because my dad was really big in the community, um, adults that I grew up around, like, I, I see their kids, and they always post they like, hey, see, guys, he's proof that you guys can do it. And to me, that's amazing because, like, I didn't have that example. Like, I didn't have anyone that I could look to and be like, that's the kind of life that I want to have. I had people that I could look at to be like, this is the kind of life I need to get away from. And those are two completely different motivating factors. Um, There's, you know, studies out there to to determine, you know, which is better than the other. But at the end of the day, like, I am blessed to be able to do the things that I've done because there are so many people that I grew up with that would have loved to, you know, do the things that I've done, live the life I live, and just weren't able to get that opportunity for one reason or another.
0: It's gotta be such a trip when someone says that to you though. Cause I know like even in the town I came from and there's successful people from the town I came in, but I get that sometimes from people like, man, I tell my kids like, this guy went to school with me. Like you could do that if you follow just like the, your one passion that you like, like you can make a career out of it. And like it genuinely, it's like the most inspiring thing that anyone can tell me, like makes me want to keep doing
1: it. Yeah. And the fun, it's funny you said one passion because like of all the things that I've done, like football, is the thing that opened the door for everything. But it was like my least passion, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just happened to be really good at football. So I was able to make a career out of it. And I was able to get college degrees because of it. And I was able to open my doors to music and get opportunities to work with people in the music industry that I would have never gotten opportunity to as a regular independent artist. And I I wouldn't have been all the wrestlers out there that dreamed to get a trial with WWE and all I had to do was, you know, meet Matt Bloom one time and sell him. I played in the NFL and boom, I had a child like that. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that football opens so many different doors for me, but it's funny because even when I was in the NFL, people would be like, Oh man, it's amazing. Like you get to live your dream. How's it, how is it living your dream in the NFL? And I'd be like, well, I'm living one of my dreams. Like my real dream is to be a WWE. My real dream is to win the Royal Rumble. My real dream is to be WWE champion. Like, also, I wanna say, real
0: anyone who's watching this who thinks that AJ Top Dollar might be blowing smoke at all is wrong because I tend to, when I'm doing these interviews, I'll put the person's name that I'm gonna interview into YouTube and I'll go back and try and find the oldest video I can find of them on YouTube. I'll go back. For you, it was 2011. And the first video I find of you, it's a profile that was that some guy on YouTube did on you in college. And they're talking about how you made this version of black and yellow and how uh, you know your school was like it became like the anthem for everyone at school. Yeah, it's,
1: it's called it's, it's called Fear the Turtle and they still play it at the sports games <laughs> at Maryland. like it's I made a, a, a university of Maryland version of black and yellow, shouting out all the sports teams. And I had to I performed it at all the sport events, like that it took over the university. Right? Oh, yeah, they still they're showing
0: game. like other athletes at the school being like, Oh, we love AJ's song, like, you know, everyone's talking about it, and it's like. And, and then and it's you going like, yeah, and they go, you know, AJ's a football player. He plays for the Terps, but he does say that, like, at the end of the day, like, he does want to end up in the WWE and lay the SmackDown one day. And then it cuts to you, and you're like, yeah, dude, The Rock's my idol. I grew up watching The Rock, and, like, you know, I got to watch him lay the SmackDown. And so, like, one day, I want to be laying the SmackDown, like, my idol, The Rock. And I'm like dude, this is 2011, yeah. and now it's he's like on SmackDown as a superstar that was yeah. like, that's literally like, man, like that's literally like the goal, the dream, like what you want to accomplish as a person. And I'm like, you can see young him so passionate about it. You're also talking about music, yeah. and, but, and like you said, football, even though that's like the gateway in for you, they're talking about your music. They're talking about you wanting to wrestle. They have you cut a promo like the rock in the video. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is, this is amazing.
1: And it's funny cause like videos like that uh, they, when they would come out, you know, 10 years ago, people would be like, oh, that, that's interesting. And then you look, eh, and that would be the end of it. But then like, now you look back at it now, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm like, yeah, man." I've been trying to tell you guys for 15 years already. <laughs> 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 that's what's so
0: cool to me is I, I look at that and I'm like, like, you know, people, you know, sometimes like the internet, Twitter, a lot of times on Twitter, I I do think that they tend to, the people who are passionate about their whatever, passionate about something and have like, gone out of their way to go follow their dreams, do tend to get a little more crap on social media from people and they're called cocky when in reality they're being called cocky by people who don't have the balls to like, go do something like that and believe in themselves as much as you.
1: So like, if you were, eight years old, and you told your mom, I'm going to play in the NFL, and I'm going to go to the WWE, and then by the time you were 30 years old, you did all that, why wouldn't you be confident? Like, like, Why wouldn't you believe in yourself? Like, I don't understand how these people think. They want me to have a lack of confidence because they don't believe in me. But I don't care if you don't believe in me because I believe in me. Like, I don't understand the concept, but, you know. Who was the first own, person? Who Do you remember,
0: like, some of the early people who did believe in you that helped you get to where you are?
1: Uh Yeah, my I mean, my parents, my dad, my mom, They they, even though, like, they never told me I couldn't do it. Because I mean, basically, like, my whole life, that's what I've done. Like, I told my parents what I wanted to do. And, like, early on, they always supported me. They always told me that they... If I put the work in, I'd be able to do it. Like and my their only thing was that I did good in school. But to me, school was always easy. So that was nothing. I was just, you know, grateful for the fact that I had parents that believed in me. And um when I was eight years old and I would tell them I want to play in the NFL or I want to go to the WWE, they didn't say like, Well, maybe you should look into like engineering or electrical work. There's always work there. You know, people always no, they never said that what i wanted to do was out of reach and because of that you know i instilled a confidence in me because i personally have even if like the dream is out there and it's far-fetched and there's no way that you can get to it like to me i could i think i can still get it done um even when i first started wrestling people told me hero wouldn't work because uh oh well you know hip-hop and wrestling you know it has to be more of a caricature, it can't be the real thing. And I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, well, you know, it works better when it's, I was like, well, let me try it the way that I know that I can do it and not be a caricature and just be me. Like people were like, oh, my favorite thing happened today on Twitter too. People will be like, oh, why, how come, you know, when they're a black group, they always gotta be rappers or something. I was like, bro, I was a rapper before I got to WWE. Like, that's not like a, they didn't, they didn't say, hey, go out there and be a rapper, kid. Like, no, like I had two albums before I got here. So same with Brianna, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, for people don't even know that, but they just open their mouths because they think they know everything. And yep. it's, you know, situations like that.
0: Well, I literally read an article that you were like talking about how like, you had like a little mini recording studio in your, like in your room of some sort since you were like a kid. So mm-hmm. yeah, you've yeah. literally been rapping your whole life. So why wouldn't you want to bring that to TV?
1: exactly i've been rapping since literally i was 12 years old i've been rapping longer than i've been playing football That's so think crazy. about that
0: for a second you've been ra- yeah. <laughs> so you had recording equipment since you were like 12
1: or around that age uh, when i was i had a microphone and like a that plugged into the back of a computer like a old laptop and then i had a, a like a program i can't even remember the name of the program but it just recorded what it wasn't a good mic it sounded like terrible but it was a, i was making songs in my bedroom i used to put it on my ironing board right and have the microphone propped up because it wasn't like a stall tall stand up like this right here this is a 1200 mic right
0: yeah that's the nice this kind is, yeah that's the good kind that's the good is, kind of recording record stuff here.
1: this is this is real this is where i really record like every French style you heard when i when we made the hit row theme song we recorded this all here right so like um my like Now, I have top of the line, same equipment, 21 Savage and Drake and Future and all these guys use. I use the same equipment as them. But when I was 12 years old, I used to prop it up on my ironing board. It was a little mic stand, probably about as big as my forearm. I used to prop it on the ironing board, put the laptop right there, and I'd be rapping right into that thing, making songs. And it was like, to me, you couldn't tell me I wasn't in, you know what I'm saying, Studio 51. I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you couldn't tell me I wasn't there. But obviously, if you listen to it, especially nowadays, you can tell it wasn't. Were you like okay? So you're recording stuff. What year
0: would this be? That when you're twelve, 13 like that? Two thousand two. Two thousand two. So the internet there's 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 internet popping, but there's not like. Were you trying to like? Yeah. like were you trying to hustle? MySpace baby.
1: You're MySpace. MySpace it. Okay. Space, baby. <laughs> Come on, man. you Feel me? I was and I was burning tapes and I was I was making tapes. And I was selling for five dollars a pop. One of my first, one of my first projects was called Back in Love, but Love was an acronym. It stood for Life of Violent Endeavors. You know what I'm saying? So like, I was out here. I was really out here with it. And my rap name at the time was Fat Man. You know what I'm saying? So it was beautiful. a different time. <laughs> it was a different time back then. You, know what you what got an Afro man. He's
0: popping. Maybe I'll just be Fat yeah. Man. You know?
1: <laughs> Fat Man. You know what I'm saying? Fat Man we had the hits. Batman is the reason Tom dollar is so hot today, I'll tell you
0: what. <laughs> I feel like it's it's funny, you know, when you see the internet now, you know, and ways for someone to blow up, YouTube, TikTok, whatever. I think that, uh-huh. like, people underestimate, you know, how hard it was to create, like, to to get a whole fan base on MySpace. It was, like, such a different oh time.
1: Oh, my God. Bro, the internet access was just so much so much more limited, like, kids believe it or not when you want to get on the internet you had to get on the computer <laughs> <laughs> like, you didn't have the internet in your pocket that's just that's not how that worked i found that like old message board like, later of mine. in high school
0: <laughs> oh yeah that was definitely in high school i found like message board posts of mine from like 2006 i want to say where i'm on like an old wrestling message board i went and used that Wayback machine to try and find like what i was talking about in wrestling in 2006 and i'm like Guess what guys, I just got internet on my phone. Like I'm literally getting paid at work to be on the internet. Like this is awesome. And I'm like, that's so funny. That was only 2006.
1: And mind you, like that was groundbreaking. (laughs) Now if somebody doesn't have internet on their phone, you're like,
0: what What are you doing? Is this like a burner phone or something? Like are you doing a legal activity on that phone
1: or something? Yeah. Oh, you got multiple SIM cards, huh? Okay, that's the (laughs) idea.
0: Yeah, every time I'll walk by, every time like I'm at like a like a Best Buy or Target or whatever, you always kind of see like one little stack of CDs that you can like blank CDs that people could burn, and I always look at it thinking,
1: "Who's still Who burning still? CDs yeah. or DVDs?" Oh, bro, I was burning my own CDs. I was doing monthly mixes. This I was making money in middle school. This, I was a hustler. So look, every every month I have a new mix of like. 10 to 15 songs. i like, what the new hot songs is right now, right? And, and I would sell them for $5 a pop, to burn CDs. And I had the mixes on. I was like, now what you call music, but in middle school, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I would change it every month I ever, and I have like, it would, it would be like uh it would be like uh like uh, uh like, it'd be like uh, August Jams, you know? September flow. You know what i had I had these, these, these dumbass names that I was putting on these CDs. I sold them for five. A pop, you felt fly a when you picture. had, like, one of
0: those, like, blue-colored CDs what? to make it a little different that time. You know, get the colored Man, ones what? when they came out. So, they,
1: nah, nah, what really kicked it off was when they came out with the jokes that had the just flat white front part so I could literally write whatever I wanted on there. <laughs> Man, I was drawing... In the summertime I was doing little flames or designs on the side. I'm telling you, I was I was, a, I was ahead of my time, I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> I kind of miss the simplicity of that time period, man. Like I really do, because I used to God, I used to love drawing on my blank CDs and like making my own cover to it. You'd be sitting there for I spend more time uh, drawing on the than the album than I even did listening to it probably, because I was just sitting there for I'm so long you. trying to make
1: it look cool. <laughs> so
0: okay yeah we're the last we're the last of the,
1: the generation that uh, lived before the internet yes so,
0: yes yeah. de- definitely definitely uh i always think about that i'm like wow we really were the guinea pigs of like that generation of like we've seen every social media platform along the way we've seen like the whole evolution of the internet like right before our eyes mm-hmm. and we were like the active guinea pigs not our parents like they they'd buy it for us and then we were just like in it you know <laughs>
1: And I'd be the first person to admit my parents left me alone with the internet too often. Mine too. Mine too for sure. Uh, too. I'm gonna just I, leave it at that.
0: I lied on my ASL a lot. I'll say that much. Uh,
1: oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure, lied on the ASL. And and. and And I got in trouble for a lot of Google searches before I knew you complete that. Thankfully, my dad
0: couldn't figure out how to look through what we were downloading on like LimeWire and stuff. So we were safe. My dad- Oh, my
1: dad did, and he definitely was not a fan. Well, let me rephrase, he was a fan, but he wasn't a fan of me looking at it at the time. I'll say that. (laughs) Okay, well, on to safer
0: topics. Uh, So, okay, I don't know a lot about football, but like in looking through your Wikipedia and hearing you talk about it, like. You know, you were in there, you were in the NFL for a while. You did your thing there. But it does seem like, just from an outsider perspective, who doesn't know a lot about football, it does seem like the struggle of trying to make it onto the active roster full-time seems to be kind of frustrating. Is that, is that accurate?
1: Uh, it's frustrating only because, you know, it's it has nothing to do with football. Um, if you go back and watch the tape from any of my preseasons, um, go watch me play again on uh, Thursday night, Thanksgiving, against the Giants. 2018, go that same the following week. Go watch me play Thursday night against the Cowboys in Dallas. 2018, I'm playing against Pro Bowlers and I'm dominating them. Let's let's look at the clip, look at the film. Uh, if you think I'm a liar, go pull up the tape and tell me I'm a liar. All right, like, but I wasn't drafted, I wasn't anybody's boy. Uh, nobody was willing to stand on the table for me. So when it comes down to, if you're a GM, I'll put it like this. I always put it in layman's terms for people. Let's say you're a GM, Ryan. You just drafted this defensive lineman that you think is going to be good in the second round. You're paying him $10 million, all right? And then one of your scouts, who technically works for you, works under you, finds somebody else that's better than the guy you picked, and y'all don't owe him as much money. So are you going to admit to this owner that pays you millions of dollars Hey man, I messed up. I shouldn't have picked this guy. I should have had this guy. Let's play this guy. Or are you going to try to stash this other guy on your practice squad or on the low end of your roster, not giving him as many reps while you try to hope that the guy that you're paying all this money to grows into the spot, right? Yep. Like it's very, it's very simple business decision. Go back, watch my tape. That's all I got to say. When I got released from the Tampa Bay Bucks. Gerald McCoy, 100 million dollar man. Gerald McCoy called me and was like, I don't know what we're doing. You should have been starting next to me. Oh, I mean, what more do I need to say?
0: Yeah, and and that's but that's kind of the frustration I'm talking about is that like it does seem to be like it would mess with my head to know all exactly what you just said that yeah. like, wait, I'm I'm doing better than the person and I'm cheaper, but because you made that decision, you're going to like that would drive me insane.
1: Oh, it did. And that's the reason why I'm here today. I mean, so 2018 was my last year in the NFL. Um, I was on the, the Giants' practice um, uh, off-season roster for training camp. Dominated training camp, probably my best training camp. Go watch the tape if you don't believe me. And um, when after the, after the preseason, they released me, um, I was like, okay, well, there's not much more I can do there. Um, I start. Tr- I'm still training. I'm ready for my opportunity to come back to the NFL. And in the middle of training and all that, one of my boys uh, hosts a Halloween party, and he has a wrestling show on it. Um, his name's Mike Busey, and he has a wrestling show on his Halloween party. Familiar with goes, Mike Busey. Hey, that's my guy. And I used to actually live at the Saucy Castle. Um, and Castle. For, for six months I lived there. <laughs> uh, actually, my first WWE contract was sent there because I was living there. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and, uh, and so he's like, hey, man, I'm having a wrestling show. Come be on it. So I do the rest of the show. Never done it before. I debuted a crew. My character's name was Sugar Bear, and I debuted a car- uh, crew. You may have heard of something similar. They were called The Row. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we come out, and I have the show. And then after the show, the vets in the locker room, they've been wrestling like 10 years. They're like, hey, man, so you know where's your home promotion? I'm like, nah, this, I don't really have one. This is my first time. They're like, oh man, that's great! Like, so, so where you've been trained at? And I'm like, nah, I never trained, bro. Like, so I you had trained once before
0: that match. He just said, nah, go to a match. Nah. You'd watched it your whole life. You were like, cool, no problem, yeah. and did it.
1: No problem. Was it knew, against I mean, someone who had do, trained? It was a battle royal. So okay, no anything got it, got it. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. It's, yep. it's easy, easy money. So uh, I did everything. They were like, hey man, you know, good job. But I did some cool spots in there. Like, I, I we gotta run the clip back. I can see the clip. But he uh, was like, uh, yeah, so. Uh, well, you know, how were you trained? And I was like, nah, I ain't never, never trained before, bro. He's like, you ain't never trained, and this was your first match? I was like, yeah. He's like, I don't want to tell you what to do. I know you're a free agent in the NFL, but like, you should probably give wrestling a shot. And in the back of my mind, like, my whole life, I had wanted to be wrestling. And I was sitting there and I was like, why am I putting so much energy into this NFL that don't give a damn about me when I can really start pursuing my dream that I really want to do? So, Two weeks later, I enrolled at Team 3D uh, Wrestling Academy, and then uh, after that, it was, you know, four months later I had my tryout, and then two months after that I got signed. That's so like, crazy.
0: That's because I was I, you know, because I I know that from ta- just from following you and stuff that I had seen you talk about doing some indies. Prior to joining WWE in the, in the row thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I was looking at your cage match, I was like, there's but there's only a few indies before WWE yeah. on there. So I was like, is it missing some? And so that does fill oh, that yeah, in for missing. me. You start training at Team 3D for the Dudley Boys. Yeah. And then and you said that doesn't
1: really cage Side really doesn't really cover Sausage Castle Wrestling, believe it or not. Yeah, that's I had a feeling.
0: <laughs> I had a feeling that might be the case. When you when you said sausage Castle, I was like, oh, that's why it's not getting factored in. Um, got it. So then, okay, so then you start at Team 3D,
1: you have your tryout four mm-hmm. months later. When did you meet Matt Bloom? Uh, so randomly, my boy, uh, Justin Leslie, who used to work at uh, NXT in the social media department, invited me to the pre-screening um, NXT was gonna get for the Page movie, uh, Fighting With My Family. And so I went to the event and Bloom walks in, and I know he's the head coach at NXT. And Justin's like, yo, go talk to him. Introduce yourself. So I go up to him. and We have a short conversation. I tell him, yeah, who I am, that I've been training at Team 3D, came from the NFL, had a few matches. And he was like, all right, well, send me an email tomorrow, and I'll you know, give you information back. So I sent him an email with all that information the next morning, like 10 a.m. at 11 a.m. He'll be back later. Uh, an hour later, I was like, all right, you're trying to two months. I was like, cool that's that's so crazy because like you know
0: like you said earlier you're like but i did all these things and they were kind of easy for me so like of course i'm going to be confident like usually like (laughs) you'll hear someone like i hit like like i hit this person up every month i had to bang their door down like you know and like you're like I just ran into him at the movies and he was like, email me and I was in, you know, like it was in between popcorn and fighting with my family, you know?
1: Like Yeah, literally that's exactly that's all it was. It's like, that's why to me is funny because like, and I know, you know, a lot of wrestlers, they work their whole life to get to WWE. And I mean, I did too. Like the reason why I was able to get into WWE so easily through these efforts is because I played in the NFL. I had to work my ass off to be able to get to the NFL. Like, it's not like I was just, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to try out for the Dolphins today. Oh, that's not how that works. Like, you had to actually put the work in. I worked for a decade plus to get to the NFL. So I put the work in. It was just a different kind of work. It's like how people are, like, salty with Logan Paul. Because, man, Logan Paul shouldn't be in that spot because it's his third match ever. But Logan Paul should be in that spot because he brings a crowd. He is a draw. And clearly he showed he deserved to be in that spot because it was only his third match and look what the hell he did like yes are there a hundred other people that if given the opportunity could have had an amazing match with roman reigns in the main event of crown jewel absolutely but that doesn't take away from the fact that he also deserved it. and he brought probably more eyes
0: than someone who is maybe more deserving which is good for everybody it's good for all and i also think with you you know like you were saying you know Uh, working your whole life towards it. Like, I think that you being such a hardcore wrestling fan your whole life, I mean, to where you were even me, you know, in my position back in the day of like doing a wrestling podcast and like covering the business. Mm -hmm. I think that because you were such a big wrestling fan, I think that you also know that like NFL maybe got your foot in the door, but You know, you doing the music, you doing the on-camera stuff, like you interviewing people, like you doing Uber videos when you're in the NFL and stuff Uh like you're doing all these things because you were trying to enhance your on-camera presence so that you'd be more comfortable so that when you got your foot in the door, you could show them that you were supposed to stay there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I have one goal left. It's the host of The Tonight Show. Like that's my end goal at the end of all of this 20 years from now. Right? That's what I want to do. Um, And I started when I was in high school doing videos about trying to make myself better on camera, being able to perform on camera, understanding how you should present yourself when presenting a scene as opposed to when you are doing an interview, as opposed to when you are doing wrestling and it's action and you have to work different cameras at the same time. Like, I've been teaching myself that since I was 14 years old. So like now, you know, I'm 32 uh, and it's like all coming to fruition. When I got that gig hosted on A&E for WWE's Most Wanted Treasures, like WWE didn't pitch me to get that gig. Like they didn't, they had no, like they had no real reason for me to want to, for them to want me to be that role because I hadn't been on TV yet. Like I hadn't done anything yet. Like, they wanted somebody that had already been on TV. But the network and the production company were like, nah, we've seen what he's done on ESPN and NFL Network and Fox and NBC Sports and ABC and all these other things that I did when I was in the NFL and when I was in college. And they were like, nah, we want him. And anybody who watches that show knows that it was a great idea that they used me because it was. A, I did a really good job in that show and the show itself was really good.
0: I loved that show. You did a great job on that show. Uh I think that and and I agree that like sometimes you don't want someone who's necessarily already been on a bunch of other shows. Like you want to find new voices on TV, you know, you want to mm-hmm. you want to put a spotlight on other new people who might be up and coming that are more that are also entertaining. And I think that like you yeah. filled that role perfectly because you were not only a good on-camera presence on the show but you were so passionate about the product like, yeah. you were so passionate about what you guys were doing and i think it did come across on, on tv
1: because it was cool to me man like I wasn't that wasn't phony like when we when i'm sitting with the undertaker we're looking at what a paul bear of like that's one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me is i it like like i don't have to act like Oh man, let me make sure that the audience can tell that I'm really excited. I'm just really excited. I get that like, like, like that. with like, my
0: reaction videos when I'm at a pay-per-view and they're like, and I'm all excited about something that happened. And they're like, he's faking this. And I'm like, yo, I'm being paid to watch wrestling in person and talk about it afterwards and something cool just happened. I genuinely am excited about this. It's gonna be hard to not be excited about this. I was here in person, Who who's sitting at a live event and was like, that was stupid. You know, like you're excited, you're gonna be excited, you know, and so the same thing with yeah. you, like you're sitting there with Teddy Long, you're sitting there with the Undertaker and Kane, Mark Henry and Big Show, like
1: you got all these cool people. Like
0: why wouldn't you be excited?
1: No, how about how about we go meet Bob Backlund? And they're like, all right, in order to get, they're like, in order to get the uh, the the Persian clubs, you got to do the Persian clubs. And I had never done the Persian clubs a day in my life, like I've, I've never even tried them. But obviously, I'm really strong. So like, they're like, yeah, you, you can be able to do that, right? I was like, I don't know, I hope so. Like, I think maybe uh, there was another uh, that I was able to do it, and I felt like well, then the list in WWE history became Bob Backlund. Iron chic and top dollar so that was pretty cool yeah but you did do was, that you did th- do that and you made it look so
0: effortless that a few, <laughs> in fact a few weeks later I went to my sister's house and her now husband I go in the backyard and what does he have Persian clubs for some reason I don't know why he has why he works out with Persian clubs he's not like I mean, he's, a, he's a big dude you know and I'm like I'm like let me try that. Like, he made it look pretty easy on the Most Wanted treasure show. I genuinely felt like I'd pulled my arms out of their sockets when I tried it. Like, I went, like, oh, dude. And I was like, oh, my arms. Like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. no, I, don't, I can't do this. Yeah.
1: They're heavy. It's pretty, it's, they're pretty tough, man, especially if you've never done it before. Yeah. Um, there was another thing that we did that I actually couldn't do that it ended up not making the show. But uh, Mark Henry has this, like, dumbbell in his house that's, like – I don't even know how much it weighs, but it's, like, this thick around. So, like, you, any other dumbbell, I can, like, grab my whole hand around. It. I have giant hands. And I can do whatever I want. This one's so thick that you have to hold it like this, right? And, like, the the, the the trick is, like, the whole thing is being able to pick it up and put it above your head. Like, if you can do that, you you got it, right? So, like, I could get it off the ground, which is, which Mark was just impressed about himself. He was like, oh, Mark, I couldn't believe that you got it up. So many people can't even do that. But I couldn't, I couldn't do the transfer and then lift at all. And then he was just like walked over and was just like, and he's like 50. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, Mark, you just got different strength, bro. Like He's like, yeah, it's all about that finger strength. It's all about that finger strength. I'm like, I need to work on my fingers. <laughs> You're over there just trying to do finger stretches? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got off the ground and I felt strong. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that can't do that <laughs> well let's talk
0: a little bit I you know we've talked more positive fun things but I do want to like briefly touch upon the like elephant in the room that happened so what was your initial reaction to getting released when you got the call
1: um disappointment uh like shame uh I've I worked to get to that point and like we had the fastest call up ever in NXT history to then be released a month later. It was like, I felt like I, had, well, honestly, I didn't know that this would happen again. Like I did, I, I had no assurances that I'd be back at WWE again. So I felt like maybe the two years that I had spent in NXT getting to that point was just a waste of my time because I was going to have to go do something else now. Um, and but ended up happening which was a blessing was the fact that like I always stayed in contact with Hunter and um you know we didn't always just we didn't talk wrestling all the time we just talked every once in a while about random things and um, um when he obviously got back in charge I saw him bring Dakota and, and EO back and I was like oh okay all right cool so he's bringing people back like I had absolutely like I was like maybe he'll bring us back, but like I don't know, you know how he feels. I don't know what he's trying to you know accomplish. I don't know what he's going through. And then like two days later, he calls me, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this. I'm ready. Let's rock. You know what I'm saying? But like uh, when when we first got released, man, it was tough. It was like I was uh, I was genuinely depressed. Like I had spent my entire life looking for the chance to get an opportunity to be on SmackDown, to be on Raw. And then I got there and then a month later it got taken out from underneath me. So it was like one of the worst experiences and times of my life. And um, the thing is, is like, you never, people say all the time, you never really find something you're looking for, it finds you. Um, And so like, I wasn't looking to come back to WWE anymore because I felt that the door was closed. It took me like 6 months to get to that point, right? And so I was off doing other shows in Trinidad and Tobago and going off and um you know doing GCW and all these other events that I would have never done, you know, otherwise. Because I was sitting there like, well, I still want to wrestle. And honestly, I didn't expect that I, I I always wanted to wrestle in WWE, and even though I did wrestle in the indies before I got to WWE, that was just me practicing, getting reps because I knew once I got a tryout, I was going to be in WWE. Yep. I just knew it because I'm I'm I mean, people like I said, people say it's cockiness, but I'm promo god, and if you feel I'm the wrong diss me, right? So like, <laughs> <laughs> so I I knew I was going to get a chance uh, in WWE. So like, once. That got taken away. I was like, "Do I even want to wrestle anymore? Like, do I care about wrestling?" Now I'm not in WWE, and like it took like I said six months before I was like, "Man, I'm really I'm trying to wrestle. Like, wrestling is really like I can't explain to someone who's never done it. I'd rather wrestle in front of a crowd of 500 people than when I played football in front of 100,000 people.
0: You know what I'm saying?
1: Like, I'd rather." wrestle on Friday night SmackDown in front of 2 million people than when I played on Thursday night football in front of 10 million people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, there's, no, it, there's no comparison out. So like I, I felt like, you know what, I'm gonna start wrestling again. I'm gonna get back into it, I'm gonna do my thing. And I started doing it more and then lo and behold, right when I was like, you know what, there's life after WWE, WWE called me right back. So I was like, hey. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me right back. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. So it was two days. It was like two days after the whole Dakota literally, stuff.
1: Literally. So it was like, so the Dakota and EO they come back at SummerSlam, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, this is so cool. Um, and then oh, I'm sorry, it was a week and two days because then it was then Cross came back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then and then after Cross came back, um, everybody was like, who's going to be next? Da-da-da-da. People and making the me, me specifically
0: me. making the Infinity Gauntlet meme and stuff. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. Like, and so like, Hunter called me and was like, "Hey, how are you?" I'm like, "Great." He's like, "Uh, you know, Tahuti, Brianna, where they at?" I'm like, "They're good to go." He's like, "How how fast can I have you?" I was like, "You have us tomorrow if you really want." You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, we ended up scheduling a, a meeting, just the three of us and Hunter, the next day, talking out, you know, the steps of the plan. And then, you know, a week after that, we debuted. So it was it was really fast. That's crazy. I, like I said, I, I cannot thank Hunter enough, man. Like, I really was in a bad place mentally because of the situation that we were in. And, like, and like for him to, you know, on the phone call, be like, man, I don't know what happened. And I don't care. He was like, You got a clean slate. you got a clean slate. He's like, You're here now. There's no problem on our end. I hope it's no problem on your end. And I was like, hm, I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm back. So now you see I got my I got my company man hat on, you know what i so. <laughs> Well, that's you
0: know, I'm wondering, and then we'll move on from this, but I am wondering, you know, with the way that happened and you coming back now, you know. Is there anything from that month-long experience or what you dealt with after that that makes you approach this second run any differently at all?
1: Uh, yeah, I really stick to myself. Um, uh, if I'm in the locker room with the boys. We do, you know what I'm saying? That's different. We all take it. And I'm very grateful because I haven't been to RAW, but the SmackDown locker room is just a great time, man. There's no egos in there. There's no everybody wants everybody to succeed everybody wants everybody to do great we we kick it we like actually are like homies in the locker room um and that's from i wasn't experiencing that from before cuz i wasn't there long enough but like i've heard from the past that like you know sometimes like the locker room wasn't the best place um for certain people and now it's uh, there's there's no problems in there and i'm and i'm very grateful for that but, like, we're at a point now where, like, we just wanna, we we were gone for nine months and we haven't even been back for three months. So, like, we're trying to rev back up everything that we're doing. And it's been working week after week. We get more and more opportunities, more and more experiences. We got the tag with, with Shinsuke. I mean, think about this I was at Shinsuke's debut in Dallas. <sighs> Cool. Uh, I mean, uh, or, or where's yeah, the Dallas show? Yeah, no, it was Dallas. It was was, Sh- yeah, against Sammy. It was Sammy. Yeah, in I was Dallas, also there. I was at, I was at that show in the fourth row. There's a picture of it that I posted on uh, my social media. I'm at that show in the fourth row. To so then, X amount of years later, being a tag team match with him on SmackDown, it's like, come on, man. Like the the year after WrestleMania in 33, yeah, in Orlando. Me and all my homies wore Shinsuke shirts, different Shinsuke shirts to the NXT show. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: that's crazy,
1: dude. To then the now we're we tagged with them. It's like insane. So well, that means I mean, it's crazy how fast everything happens. If
0: we're just like then the Rock matches eventually. Then if we we got oh, yeah. that's what I need. That's what
1: I need. <laughs> if we're checking things damage. off
0: here, you know, I can tell I the Rock's damage. the top of the totem pole there, the head of the table. Oh, yeah,
1: I, the only only problem is, man, I don't know how many. No, let me rephrase. I know for a fact, Rock could wrestle every wrest. He's in the shape to wrestle every WrestleMania for the rest of his life. He really wanted to, <laughs> but I don't know how many more matches he got left. Like I'm just that, like saying. How it. Much hey, he, I'm just saying. If you, how want, many if you he wants to wrestle,
0: if you need to have an unattainable, a, a difficult to attain goal, just put that one on That's there. True. You know, like you've gotten That's all these true. other yeah, ones I'll off, you them. might as well put a, a, a one on there. You
1: know. And I'm and I'm not kicking out of the people's elbow. care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what the, the what anyone what the it was, any of that. I don't care none of that. He hits the people's elbow. And that's the finish. That's, the
0: match is over. Okay, so wait. You said <laughs> you said that the only goal you really have left is the Tonight Show. But when I was reading an article from when you were younger, you said that it. This is what the article said. It said. Uh, after trying his luck in the NFL and maybe enjoying a few years wrestling in the WWE, AJ plans to few run for governor man. as a Democrat. So are you, yeah. do, do you still have political aspirations? Or is that a goal that you uh, kind of put on the back burner?
1: I do. But what I've realized from the political process as of recently, especially as recently as two days ago, is that like, I, for example, in next weekend, I have a canned food drive at the university of Maryland and, um, for a homeless shelter in the neighborhood uh, by the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, it's called Sarah's House. And every year for Thanksgiving, we do a food can food drive um, for most of the people that live like 80% of the people there are kids or like moms with kids getting away from, you know, domestic situations or maybe their house burned down or maybe they can't afford to live there anymore, whatever the reason may be that they're there. And um, I have done that for six years and, yet people will still tell me that i'm selfish and that i don't care about things and because they don't agree with me politically right or they don't agree with me for for one reason or another i have distaste in my mouth about getting into politics because i actually want to get things done and people that get things done um are hated the people that don't do anything that just read random quotes from stupid texts and all types of other ways that they can get more attention on themselves. Those are the people that are applauded in politics. And to me, I think that I can do more outside of politics now. But eventually, maybe one day I can be governor. Maybe I can uh, actually change things. But people don't want change from their politicians. They just, you know, want good quotes. And that's not what I'm about.
0: Dude, that makes perfect sense to me. I also think the political landscape from 2016 when this article was written to now is so different. Like I was getting my hair cut today. Yeah, it is. Like I was getting my hair cut today and the guy we started talking about the midterm elections and he then started talking to me about how uh every president is, has been part of the Illuminati, how they're all Satan worshipers who are also lizard people. I started asking about lizard people and his theories on them. And I started asking too many questions. And he goes, I don't know, man, like the way you're talking right now, I think you might be a lizard person who thinks I know too much. I mean, you work at Fox Sports, you've got your own show. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not a lizard person. What? I was just asking about your thoughts on the lizard people, like to see if you thought they were real. And he was like, I don't know, man. Like you're asking a lot of questions and (laughs) he was (laughs) like.
1: You I mean you, know, you strike me as a lizard person. You know? No, no, we're not no we can't get this rolling! We can't get no I, I you know, I see lizard people in you. I do, right? I can I can envision lizard people. In you know your thing. wife's taking pictures of me on the
0: ground. Yeah, You're I, posting first pictures of, all, let's of talk me on about
1: the ground. ground for a second. <laughs> why why is it you and your wife always find a way to take pictures of me when I'm down back? Hey, y'all don't got no pictures of me when I'm on the top rope. Y'all ain't got no pictures of me picking up multiple people and slamming the hell out of them. Y'all got pictures of me down, down bad, downtrodden, on the ground, face deep in the mat. Y'all got pictures. I'm like, what's going on here? I go to, I go, I take. my fiance likes going to
0: wrestling, my wife likes going to wrestling shows with me. And I would say 95% of the pictures that she takes at those shows, it's when the wrestler's is on the ground in front of us, rather than the action in the ring. She finds it so funny to take a picture of someone just like on the ground like this in
1: an indie show. Well, I'm glad that she took that picture to show that I was actually selling, being knocked over the table and not just out there just <laughs> laying around.
0: <laughs> oh man, it was so funny. You know what? I'm gonna get to my last closing set of questions in a second, but another thing I saw about you in, your, in all the articles I read, Prior at WWE that I that I found interesting was uh I like that it said you did musical theater growing up. Uh do you think really? that you'd ever wanna like do you think would you would ever wanna do that again or are your musical theater Absolutely. days behind? Yeah, you seem like someone who no, would want to do on, that man. Story.
1: I gotta go, I gotta get on Broadway. What you talking about? Come <laughs> on, man, we gotta do that. I was <laughs> Officer Krupke, all right, in West Side Story. Classic. Right, only because West Side Story is obviously supposed to be about teenagers and I was—I looked like I was an adult compared to everyone else, right? <laughs> so, so, because so, I don't really fit the Kruppy look. Yes. I don't, my face, it doesn't scream Kruppy as the last name, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I was much bigger than everybody else, so I was the adult in the scene. Um, uh, I was also Bundles the Laundry Man in uh, Annie in which I, uh, you know, made the most out of that role. Bundles and the Laundry Man. Ch- wait,
0: wait, wait, when is Bundles the Laundry Man in Annie? He's not a real character okay. in the movie.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, that character doesn't ring a bell to me. In the movie, he don't exist. But on the, in the play, he's like, he's got like little funny jokes for a little orphan Annie and her friends while he's uh, taking uh, her laundry got away. Got it, right? got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and then I was uh, Big Julie in Guys and Dolls. Um, so, you know. And and I also used to do the plays in church when I was a kid. So I've always liked doing uh, musical theater because uh, I can sing, I can rap, I can dance. And like, if my dancing on a scale of 10, I would rate it like an eight. But because I'm so big, it automatically qualifies as a 10. So I get away with a lot of it. I feel like you've got an inspiring life
0: story that could be turned into like a musical one day, just to implant that I mind mean, in so. your head. Because like you have It had... would be
1: hard to find the kid to play me that was so big though, I ain't gonna lie that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair point, fair point. But I'm sure if you type in like fat man on MySpace, you'll find someone similar, you know, so. Possibly. <laughs> All right, well, we've reached the end of the show here, but I like to end every uh, episode of the show with a segment that I like to call the finishing move, where I talk to my guests about their finished moves. Yeah, it looks good, right? We did it good that time. I'm real proud of myself here. Things are happening. I'm, I'm proud of my director there. We, we killed it on that one. Uh, so you've got, I, is, is your finishing move like that that world's, longest, world's
1: strongest slam wasteland combo? Would that be like your finishing move right now? Nah, my, my real finish move is called the Cash Out. I've done it before on NXT, but I haven't had a chance to do it on SmackDown because we've only been, uh, you know, trying to get that tag team finish on. You know what I'm saying? It's called the Heavy Hitter. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, my real finisher is called the Cash Out, in which I put them on my shoulders like a fireman's carry. I throw them up like AA. Like oh, Cena, yeah. Duh, okay. Yes. Yes. I drop down into a neck breaker.
0: Okay. So who's your favorite person to have hit that move on and why?
1: Uh, Favorite person to hit that move on? Yeah. I would probably say uh, Leon Ruff because uh, we did it at uh, my last show at uh, the Sausage Castle before I got re-signed to WWE, and he didn't have to come out and do that show, but he did, and I truly appreciate him for that. Also, the move you're looking at that you just throw it up on the screen, the World's Strongest Wasteland. I, you know, there's a, there's this running joke. People did it to Roman for years, and it was completely stupid. Where like, they just pretend that you can't wrestle, right? Like they just they did it's they just their fans for some reason pretend you can't wrestle. If I can't wrestle, please tell me how I did this move safely multiple times, okay? NXT and SmackDown. Look at this, all right? Oh, Look yeah. at this move right here. The, the the amount of technique and strength that is required for this move. Let's just talk about it. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. If you okay. can't wrestle then I would like to see
0: someone who, who, who says that, that can run up the ropes like you did the other day and Ginger. jump off of it. Like- and here,
1: here's, another, here's another one, here's a really crazy about that one. I did that on Friday at SmackDown, right? I learned it four days earlier on Monday in the PC, never tried it before. And I was like, yeah, let me just see if I can do it. Da, da, da. Oh Yeah, I can. So then I did it on SmackDown that same week. So you know, just give me a little bit of props, i saying.
0: Um wait so then you call it the world's strongest wasteland is wasteland. that is that the official name for it then That is the official name You're for paying movie, homage to both strongest. of
1: them Yes absolutely Mark Henry is one person who when I was released was always there for me and always helping me um you know try to get my foot back in the door Um and Mark is a very big guide in my career Um, And in my life over the last two years, Um, I owe a lot to Mark and I appreciate him a lot. So I always wanted to pay him homage. And I always thought Wade Barrett had the coolest finish. I always thought the wasteland was like the coolest finish. And I, I don't for the life of me don't understand why someone hasn't stolen it from him yet. As a finish, uh, Well, twofold on commentary. that.
0: I completely agree with you, and but the internet has kind of like there's like it's like this split. Some people think it's the stupidest move ever, and some people think it's awesome. And when I was on here like with him the other day, he was on the show a few weeks ago, and uh, I said the same thing. He was like, "I know it's frustrating because it's on some of those like worst finishing move of all time lists," and like I thought it was cool. Like I liked the move, yeah. you know. But so, he did say like, there's someone in NXT who's doing it now a little better than he did he was saying like they added a little bit of extra oomph to it that's like trying to use it so you've got it's santino's daughter what's her name uh i don't even know i forget her name but it's yes yeah, the uh, santino's daughter who does it and he was like he, I, I hadn't he says that she does it well so you got a little bit of competition there
1: hey man i i'm glad because it deserves it deserves its space it's so funny to me people will be like the heavy hitters not a offenders i'm like oh really okay well, let me put you on my shoulders, six feet in the air. Let Tahuti drop kick you in the side of your head, and then let me d- spin you around and drop you to the cold hard ground, and tell me you'll get up in three seconds. <laughs> that's like that's like
0: I saw the other day. The and then we'll finish up with more question here. But I saw the internet being like, "Oh, Indy Hartwell want a match with a superplex," and I was like, "That would hurt
1: so bad to get hit with a superplex." I, when that when that happened, I was like. If, if I was in that match with her, if that wasn't supposed me to be the finish, it was when I hit the mat. And I'm not taking no more bumps after that. <laughs> I, I had a friend who was tra- who who when, when he's re-
0: who wrestles and who was trained to wrestle semi-recently. And I, I remember that being one of his notes, being like, bro, I took a superplex and it was the most painful thing of my life. Like, I never want to do that again.
1: <laughs> because a lot of time, a lot of people, a little bit of physics that people don't know is that it's called a double bump. So when you hit the mat, somebody hits the mat, the mat is obviously going to go down first. And then, so if someone's hitting the mat just after oh. them, the mat is coming back up. So you're smacking into the mat coming back up oh. and it's not great. Oh. It's not great. <laughs>
0: All right, well, lastly, great. We'll, we'll end it with something that should be great. What's the most memorable time you hit a finishing move on someone in one of your matches?
1: Um, I would probably have to say uh when we had the eight man tag with the Street Profits, it was our first like real test match coming back from SmackDown. And you know, the Street Profits during the match. So just the fact that we were able to actually get the finish is huge. Um and like the crowd reaction to that, um, it was just crazy. Like I I'm so grateful for how the fans have been to us since we came back. Because there's a lot of times where you can come back from nine months off and you gotta like you gotta re-earn from the fans their admiration. And while we still have a long way to go as to being, you know, the top tag team among the fans in WWE, um, every time that we have a match. They're there for us. They're there for us during commercial. They're there for us when I tag in. They're there for us on our entrance. They're there for us at the finish. Like I'm grateful for that because it don't got to be like that, and it's not. It's not always like that. So you know, especially when we go do these house shows, like some people don't want to go to the middle of nowhere, Canada, or like you know, we got. I got family in West Virginia, so I'm excited about our house shows coming up in West Virginia, but not everybody's excited to go to West Virginia. You know what (laughs) I'm saying? So like, but I love those house shows because like, A, it's a chance for us to practice some things and do some new things. But B, it's like those house show fans, man, like they are all the way in it. And like, sometimes that doesn't happen on TV. TV, you got a lot sometimes you got to work them into being there for you but house shows man they they go crazy as soon as you come out so it's like it's it's awesome but i would definitely say my favorite finish was being able to do our finisher in the eight-man tag uh with uh with the street profits because we got a good spot with the street profits and they were going crazy
0: well like the rest of those fans I'm super excited to see you back in WWE. I'm a fan of yours. I'm glad we finally got to do this. You can finally stop getting mad at me for not Hell having you hey, on, on here man. yet. It wasn't your personal. You
1: supposed to have some more stroke to this. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. This is your show, you're supposed to give me a first chance. Like, you know, well, I gotta get to the other,
0: I gotta get my fellow lizard people on first before we get there. So, you know, what I'm <laughs> Man, the Illuminati is strong with
1: this one. I understand what's going on. All you right, well, you. you have a good one, dude. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> AJ Top Dollar, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, appreciate you, brother. Peace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, that was my conversation with Top Dollar. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Super cool guy. Loved getting to pick his brain. Super inspiring story. Uh, and I genuinely believe that you should follow your dreams just like he did if you're someone who's on the border of, of doing something like that. All right, a, a little bit of shilling before we get out of here. Make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. You, watching, right there. If you can see me pointing at you, I'm talking to you. Uh, hit the subscribe button and make sure that you follow this YouTube channel. There's a bunch of stuff on here that you would want if you're a wrestling fan. There's clips from Raw SmackDown. There's YouTube shorts. There's clips from this show. And so much more, so make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. And these videos, they go up, they get set for premiere. So once you see these videos, you can click the little bell and get notified once the video goes live. Also, like I said at the top of the show, make sure you subscribe to the Add of Character podcast feed. That's where you can find the audio version of this show, but also Raw and SmackDown roundups every week in the podcast feed where I'm breaking down each episode of those shows segment by segment giving you my thoughts on everything that happens i implore you to listen to these shows because i'm talking to myself and it really does feel better when you guys are listening and you give me that feedback because otherwise i feel crazy talking to myself in my office alone Uh, it really does help and the way i know that you listened or watched is you leaving a rating or a review. If you leave a review, it helps the show out a lot. So if you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Top dollar, if you enjoy the content that we put out here on either the YouTube channel or the podcast feed, go to Apple Podcasts and put in a review. You can let people know that you enjoyed this show and it does help us get seen by more people. So for those of you who do that, I thank you. But if you enjoyed the show, hook it up. If you didn't enjoy the show, just ignore you heard any of this. And also lastly, Make sure that you follow us on social media at WWE on Fox on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever social media platform you are on. We are most likely there as well, so give us a follow. <sighs> okay, I got it all out. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Attic care.